Hey, this is Nick Gibson, Senior Pastor at High Point Church. This is Engage and Equip podcast. And today we're going to be talking with Erin Hesse about her testimony, how she came to know Jesus and what's happened since then. So Erin, um, so let me give people a little background. You are the hospitality coordinator, what is the connections, connections coordinator. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Erin runs about seven or eight teams of different people from coffee to rides, ministries, to all that kind of stuff. She replaced part of Lisa when she left mm-hmm. less than a year ago, but you're yeah. getting on closer to a year now. Mm-hmm. In June. In June. Mm-hmm. So that'll be super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Aaron, why don't you take us back to um, a very young age in the state of infancy and take <laughs> us forward to how you came to faith and what's happened since then. Sure. Thanks. Um, so I actually grew up in the Madison area in Fitchburg. Um, it was about... Well, yeah, it was 27 years ago. And so um, when I was born here and um, grew up with one brother who is two years younger than me, my parents who are still married and they live in Wanakee now. And um, all through growing up, I was, I recognized and still recognize now that I was very privileged in how I grew up. I um, actually attended High Point Church and school from age five all the way through high school. And so I that was, I'd obviously cultivated a lot of growth for me as I was growing up. Um, so then, for High Point people, who were like, you're the major senior pastors you knew? Would that be Bill Monkford? Yep. Just Bill okay. Monkford. Yep. So yeah, so we came here when I was in kindergarten, started going to the school here. And when I was five years old, Mrs. Moyer asked if I, and if anyone in the class wanted to come up and ask Jesus into their heart. And I did. So that's when I first accepted Jesus. Jesus into, saves people. <laughs> Through cliches. Yes. Cliched salvation experiences as much as anything else. Yes, it's have, true. You don't have to be afraid of that. Yeah, she even gave me a rose and a little pink Bible and everything. And yes, I was wonderful. And I really, I remember even as a five-year-old, as much as a five-year-old brain can understand, like knowing what that meant, that it wasn't just because my friends were going up and doing it. And um, I, I wanted to love Jesus fully in my life. So, um, that's Yeah, people talk about kids' salvation experiences being like somehow cheaper hmm. or whatever. And that's moderate poppycock. Yeah. You know, because I think as I've, I mean, obviously as I've grown, my five-year-old faith has grown right. a lot. But that, yeah, it did start as something very real. Um, so, yeah, I, th- that was huge for me in the foundation um, for the rest of my life and how I, in the lens that I saw all of my life and um, realized as I was growing up that I was very blessed in um, the environment that I was growing up in. So, like, my neighborhood was great. I played a lot of um, capture the flag and roller hockey and stuff with neighbors and had a really good grown up experience, um, involved in sports and music and went to camp a lot. Um, I remember in fifth grade, it was my first year that I went to go to camp and I asked all of my friends which week they were going to camp, Camp Four Springs up, uh, three hours north of here. And, um, they told me all the week that they were going. And then I intentionally, went a different week because I wanted to meet new people. And so that was, yeah, that was very much me growing up. I just wanted to try new things and um, was able to do that and felt very, very blessed by that. Um, I, I want to say that you've told us that you had some kind of hobby or activity that you did that I found very surprising. What's that? I don't know. Do you remember what it's like? I mean, roller hockey's well, kind of like that, but. I was in karate for a year, um, I but then I did ballet and then neither, but neither of those things I enjoyed. So I did volleyball and basketball and normal middle school sports. Right. So yeah, nothing super crazy. It was just lots of different things, which is cool. And got to do percussion and music and uh, right. piano. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 
yeah, it was a very typical, well-rounded Christian You're just girl. an all-American kid. Yes, I really was. From the Midwest. Yes. Very picture perfect. Yeah, goody two-shoes probably to some people in that in growing up like that. So, um, yeah, it was good. And I, I even, I did, like I said, I recognized it even growing up. I remember saying to my parents, this is a really good life that I have. Like, I, I feel like something bad is going to happen eventually. And, like, was nervous about that, but then also very thankful along the way with what God, where God was taking me on mm-hmm. my path. So, um, yeah. So when I was in eighth grade, graduated from High Point Christian School, I was really excited to go to uh, Verona Area High School and be at a public school. And I was all like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm going to go and like tell everybody about Jesus. And I was really excited about being a sturdy um, follower of Jesus in high school. And that really actually did set me up well for high school. I was there, like weren't many temptations that I faced or, um, I got, you like let people know that you were this goody yeah, two-shoes Christian. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I was also very nervous because when you're growing up in a Christian environment, they tell you, you know, you're going to be tempted and there's going to be peer pressure and you're going to be persecuted for your faith. And so I was very careful of how I would say things probably too much where I, where I didn't share my faith enough, but I was very clear that I didn't want to go to any parties where there was drinking or, um, I didn't, I wasn't like close friends with anybody who smoked or, you know, anything like that. And so, um, I, again, just was very adamant about following this path of what a Christian high school person should look like. So, um, yeah, so I went on a lot of different mission trips, like a different mission trip each summer and was really involved in youth group here at High Point and also served in like children's ministry, children's ministry and stuff like that. And so, um, I felt very, like I was growing and was really excited eventually then to get to college. So my, yeah, my four years of high school weren't exciting. There wasn't really anything crazy that happened. It was just high school. And actually it was probably, I enjoyed it more than college, which is not the normal thing that people normally hear. So no, it was, yeah, it was really good. I don't know. So I remember, uh, the summer before my junior, this before my senior year of um, high school, I was on a kayak rock climbing trip with Camp Forest Springs and the speaker was really great. I don't remember who it was, but I remember it was really great. And I remember, um, just when you get to be away from, um, society and, um, away from like normalcy of life, being able to be in the nature and woods, you get to connect with the Lord a little bit better. And so I remember, um, he was talking about, as we think about college and going forward, um, to really be reflecting on what God wanted us to be doing, um, what, what God wanted me to be doing as I headed to college. Because at that point, I was looking at either UW-Madison or Northwestern College up in St. Paul. And you couldn't really get more polar opposite in terms of like how the schools are run and the types of people that attend. And so I was like, okay, do I attend this very liberal very secular, se- secular, yes, v- and in, in many city. ways anti-religious. I mean, UW, yeah. UW is people for people who don't know much about American political history. UW was actually the center of modern socialistic actions. It's one. It was called hmm. the Berkeley of the Midwest. It, some of the '60s bombings were here. So UW yes. isn't just your average American. Oh, it's a little to the left of center kind right. of school. <laughs> UW prides itself on being profoundly politically radical. Yeah profoundly liberal and secular Mm -hmm. um, and to a certain extent intentionally Mm anti-religious and um, there's a orthodox Greek guy in town who studied um, high school students going to college at all the UW campuses and 
UW is the biggest faith killer hmm. that they know of. I think he I think he believes in in the entire country. Wow. For Orthodox Christians going to that is Greek Orthodox Christians. Yeah, yeah. And I really believe I believe that. I, it's it's profoundly it's not just quote liberal. Mm-hmm. It is profoundly anti-religious and anti-Christian. Yeah. And I didn't know to what extent it was, you know, as I was looking at different colleges, I was more, I was, I was a huge Badger fan. I loved the atmosphere of the town and loved being close to family. And so it was more like, do I want to do that? And, you know, again, this big, strong Christian going into a, a secular school, that's what my thoughts were in it without even knowing all those other things. Um, but the speaker said on this trip, you, you want college to be a greenhouse for you. So where are you going to grow? Where are you going to, um, be the most prepared as you look out into the rest of your life. And as much as I wanted to go to Madison, um, and a lot of my friends were going there too, I knew that for me, and this isn't for everybody, for, for myself, I knew that I needed to go to a Christian college for that, in terms of being a plant in a greenhouse and growing and um, becoming stronger in my faith, faith. Even though I had grown up and uh, gone to church my whole life, went to a Christian school through eighth grade, was involved with youth group. So... Why, how is that different from, from wanting to be sheltered? Um, I think I was looking long-term. I was thinking, where do I want to be at age 22? And knowing that I'm not, I, I didn't think that I would want to, I knew that I didn't want to be sheltered going on, you know, all through all of life. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted four years where it was a um, time to learn and grow and with the intentionality of looking out into the world that I was in. I mean, Minneapolis, I, I didn't go and I wasn't involved in a lot of different things right in Minneapolis, but you're still in a big city. And um, I was intentional to be involved with like Ultimate Frisbee and um, do other things at parks and, and things that were involved with other people outside of that Christian bubble that can happen at a Christian mm-hmm. school. And so um, I saw it as like a preparation stage for, for long term. Yeah, I think like like a uh, Christian college can be like a greenhouse, like because there's this content influx. Mm-hmm. You're like you're being taught the faith and how everything relates to each other, and so you can like kind of grow larger as a plant. Whereas, in some ways, going to a like a non-Christian school, sometimes it it makes you tougher. Yeah. So there's this like there's this fragility that goes away, mm-hmm. and you become what you said before a sturdy Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, you become sturdier, but you don't necessarily become wider or deeper mm-hmm. like there's i mean you don't take biblical studies classes right. you don't take theology classes you don't learn about the. you can take five history classes and never learn about the mm-hmm. reformation yeah and so there are ways that you really can grow at a christian college that are not, which is not being sheltered mm-hmm. um and then the universe the secular university have, has a toughening effect um in, in some ways a broadening effect mm-hmm. but usually not a deepening effect when students come here from like the UW, mm-hmm. um, having been in like crew and stuff like that, their faith is tough. They're broadened in that they know what's out there and who's out there and like how to do evangelism because they really know what the world is like. But they don't have any theological depth. Yeah. And students who go to undergraduate Christian colleges at least have that potential. Oftentimes mm-hmm. they don't take their studies seriously. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you really can grow deeper, I think. Yeah. And even as you say that now, I was like, oh, I didn't, I really wasn't thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. I just, I was. V- throughout my whole life I've had a mentality of um I have been strong in being able to rely on the Lord and and ask okay where do you want me to go where where do you want to send me and so even without all of that knowledge and those things that make logical sense for me to go to a Christian school that I did see that that played out that way so yeah 
So yeah, I ended up going to Northwestern, um, chose elementary education with a math emphasis for as my degree because I loved kids. I loved working with kids and um, I always had enjoyed school. So I thought, well, that's where I should probably work then. Um, but I still didn't feel, it still didn't feel quite right as I was going through that program. Um, and I remember the summer before my junior year of college, um, I was about to go to Camp Four Springs to be a camp counselor. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that common thread throughout, uh, growing in my faith, um, was going to that camp. And so now working there as a counselor, I was getting prepared for that at home, um, packing and things. And I remember my parents, getting in some sort of argument and they've always had a really strong marriage still do now. And, um, but I remember the argument they were having, I was getting so frustrated at how they were arguing or what I was seeing in their relationship. And of course I had been at school at this Christian college for the last two years. So there's definitely some self-righteous, you know, attitude that's built in. Like I've, I've taken these classes on relationships and, um, human sexuality and all these things. I shouldn't, I I know better than you do how to do your marriage. Right. Yeah. You've been married for 20 some years, but I know what you should be doing. Um, so there was definitely a wrongness in that, but, um, there's this frustration that came out and seeing that and wanting that brokenness to be mended, even just in my family. And I remember, um, getting into an argument with my dad and it ended with me saying, I don't even know why I'm an elementary ed major. I, I don't even care about that as much as I care about this. I need to change my degree. So I called the school and that day changed my degree to, um, youth and family studies just because I knew that that was more what I was passionate about. I didn't know what, um, where that would take me. And I knew that with that degree, you would often need to get, get a master's degree or something more mm-hmm. to get a job in that field, like counseling or, or something. Yeah. That um, BA is only good for an MRS or an MSN. <laughs> yeah. Um, or yeah. I mean, children's directing was also right. something that I was there, but yeah, a, I was like, I can be a wife with this. This is true. Which is, um, I don't know if you know, it's the highest salary jump in the American Christian church right now. Is there what? Children's ministry. It's like no church can find. Um, it's like yeah, the yeah. hottest thing. And the salaries for children's ministers are going up faster than anything else. Huh. They just can't find one. Interesting. I mean, people yeah. who are competent, who can lead a team, who actually like children, just, it's like the white yeti. Hmm. They don't exist. Yeah. It's easy to burn out in, in that position then too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super burnout position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I still was really excited about pursuing that. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah. So when I changed my degree or changed my major, um, I knew, so then I, I went into the summer being a camp counselor and prayed all throughout the summer about, is this the right decision? Is this, did I just make this out of a frust, you know, frustrated argument? And that's why I'm choosing this path. But you no, know, it further affirmed that, yes, like God wanted me to be doing something that captured more of my heart than just kids because, mm-hmm. um, and I, I remember specifically when I was helping with student teaching, um, when the kids would come in, they didn't have their homework done. I wanted to talk with them way more about why, like what was going on at home, what's going on with their parents, so why, are, why are they hungry when they come to school versus like your homework's not done or you don't understand this math equation. And so, um, yeah, all those different pieces um, did definitely did affirm that I, I should be choosing what I was, what I was choosing. Um, so... After summer, um, I, I was an RA the following year, and that's where I met Jason. Where um, who's we Jason? Were, so Jason is my husband, oh. um, but now. we are, now now yeah. he is. Yes, we were uh, just friends at at that time. Um, but uh, that year was really when I look back on my life was definitely the hardest year um, that I've ex- one of the one of the 
top two hardest years probably that I've ever experienced. Um, and that was because although I didn't see it happening as it was happening, there was a lot of, um, a lot of poor leadership happening within the staff that I was on as an RA. So there was a lot of manipulation and, um, I couldn't really trust leadership or friendships and didn't really understand, um, what I, like how to, how to make sense of that, especially at a Christian school. And so I didn't realize that brokenness and that, um, I just felt very raw, just, um, very kind of torn open throughout that year and didn't realize that until the end of the year, because I was just trying to trust in the leadership, you know, my, um, resident director. And, mm-hmm. um, and so at the end of that year, there, you know, there were 10 of us on staff, 10 of us women, and some of the women took like a, like realized what was happening and kind of took like a newsies approach, like seize the day, like stick it to the man. We're going to, you know, combat this poor leadership and go to the, you know, the president and, and talk about all this. And, um, then some of the women were in denial about it and didn't want to talk about the problems. And it was, um, I didn't really know where I wanted to fit in myself. And so what I ended up doing was I just, I kind of just froze and was very stunned and felt very confused about the whole thing. And so when I, when I left that year, by that time I was now dating Jason and, um, he helped me process through some of the hurt and the brokenness that I was, that I had gone through. Um, but there was a lot of it. And so I'm even, even now still dealing with the effects of, um, yeah, brokenness, not just within a community, but also in a, within a Christian community where it's supposed to be, um, modeling what, um, the best and true types of relationships should look like. Um, so Jason was awesome, very, like a huge support, really, um, was able to help me get through some of the trauma that I experienced, mm-hmm. but it also became a very dependent relationship, I guess, on both of our sides to a point where the Lord was no, no longer the center of our relationship. I don't, it really didn't start off on a good foot, on a, yeah, on the right foot. And so, um, it was a, yeah, very unhealthy relationship as we were dating, um, and yet at the same time, I knew for that first year that, that I, he was the person that I wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt very far from the Lord at that time and was trying, but was really trying to get back on track. We didn't know what that was supposed to look like. And a lot of it had to do with my dependency on Jason, but we, I ended up graduating, um, in yeah, May of 2011 and we got married in August of 2011. And so it was, um, we were only engaged for three months. It was like really crazy and quick and difficult. And so, um, the, that first two years we were still living up in the twin cities. Um, and I, it was, that was either the most difficult or second most difficult year of, of our, of my life. Um, your first year marriage? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, either that or the RA year was really the worst. Um, we, it was just very broken. We did not know what we were doing. We didn't feel like we had um, mentors or support that we could uh, talk with anybody. When you say really broken, that's kind of not specific. Mm-hmm. It, like, what would you, is it, was it like, did it feel nonspecific? Like it was this brooding anxiety? And you no. Didn't know? Or was it, was it like, no, we were screaming at each other. Yeah. Being screaming. really unkind. Yep. 
know. It was a, like I don't think we went a single day without fighting. It was into at like two a, into two a.m. Um, just fighting and screaming like, at like nasty name calling. Yeah, and like threatening to leave the ho- leave the apartment and yeah. like um, divorce was never an option for either of us. But uh-huh. we, it, I felt like we were. You were able kids. to express you wished you didn't marry the yeah, other person. Yes, and without saying I'm divorcing you. Right. It was like That's so Christian. <laughs> it was yeah. It it's was, like it's like Christian divorce threatening. Yeah. 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 It was like two children kicking and screaming through this first year of like something that we didn't want to. We didn't know that we didn't want to be in, or we we wanted to be in it, but it's yeah. It was just really tough. We didn't know how to deal with it. If only your dad had a video of that when you were judging him a couple of years earlier for his <sighs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, it was not a good picture at all. So, um, were you guys going to a church during mm-hmm. this time? And which one did you go to? Uh, Grace Church in Roseville. So it's not the big Grace Church Eden Prairie where the concerts happen. It's like a smaller Grace yeah. Church. And, um, Lutheran or like just evangelical church? Um, or? just evangelical. Yep. Okay. Um, and we were actually working as the assistants to the youth pastor okay. on that team. And so we were working together in that. We both had odds and ends jobs. Um, he was working a car rental agency and he was actually doing pretty well in that um came an assistant manager and was breaking up in that but I was like a nanny and then I started working at Starbucks and it was kind of all over the place while still still working part-time at the church and also working part-time through our uh, apartment complex to case you get like knockoff rent so you were working at the church too yeah we both were okay yeah so it was just uh, so much going on and not and again like not feeling like we had any guidance, but then also not being intentional ourselves to, um, seek out truth and how we should be dealing with our own marriage. I mean, we, it's amazing how you can have a degree in like yes. family, <laughs> whatever, yep. and not know how to have a family. Right. Yeah. It was, I, I will say there are limits to academic studies and their relevance for yeah, actual living. That is true. I, I don't know what would have happened though if we, so we, yeah, we, we met my junior year and we were both in Christian theology together. And so mm-hmm. we got, we, that's how we got to know each other. We were studying, um, for that class together, which was great. Cause it was like all the big, like things that you, you know, theologically aren't, aren't sure if you stand on with the same per- right. with the person, like we were able to get that so all in like the open. We're still compatible. Yes. Yeah. And we, yeah. We had both taken, believe in the resurrection. Uh, <laughs> and the Trinity. Yes. It. Yeah. So that, that was really huge. And then we also had taken these other ministry classes that were, um, that actually, if we hadn't taken them, I don't know what would have happened in our marriage in that first year. Yeah, I totally had the same experience. I know yeah. you're going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lexi and I had terrible, like one of the worst years, like early on when I was in mm-hmm. seminary. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we were acting very unchristian in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was Jesus that kept us together. Yeah, absolutely. It totally was. Yeah. And it, and it was the resources of knowing Christ and what the Bible taught, yeah. what Christianity taught that became the fulcrum for us getting out of it. Mm-hmm. So, and it made it not as bad as it would have otherwise been. Yep. Right. That's what, that's what I think. I mean, we had all these different books and, um, you know, you know bit, even like, if you just feel a kind of sense of looming shame of, dang it, I'm a Christian and this is what's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so, but then, yeah, then there's always a turning point and I'm definitely a fixer. I like things to be changed and better. And so, um, I, I think that did help. Um, even though it was rocky and kind of ugly, like we did make a huge strides um, because of that wanting to change, both of us wanting to change. And um, so then it, it was like a, after one year of marriage, 
it was like something clicked and it was like, okay, the year is over and now we don't fight anymore. And it was like, I mean, we do fight, but it was not every day. It wasn't nearly as bad. Um, but there was something that was just different after that first year. Mm-hmm. Um, that second year living up in the cities, um, wasn't as difficult as a whole for our marriage. Um, but we were still just doing so many different things and, but still feeling very restless. We both actually graduated with the youth and family studies degree. And okay. so, um, both wanting to work in full-time ministry, but not knowing what that was supposed to look like or how, um, especially if we wanted to be in a church, cause then we'd both have to work at a church. Yeah, and, who wants to work at a church? Right. right. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, so, uh, I remember camping with friends, um, August, 2013 and expressing to them, like, I just feel this restlessness. Like Jason and I, I feel like we're, we need to change. Something needs to be different and I can't figure out what it is. And by the end of that weekend, when Jason and I got home, we decided that um, the Twin Cities really weren't for us. And um, there are a lot of different reasons for that. But we decided on that Sunday night after we had gotten back home that we wanted to move to Madison. And it was amazing how in just like an hour we were able to confirm our ability to be able to move down here really easily. Like, um, I worked at Starbucks and so I was able to transfer to a store here in Middleton really easily. I just called and asked if they had a spot open and they said yes. And so I was able to do that. Um, we were able to live with my parents for a while, um, because we worked at the apartment complex that we lived in, we were on a month by month lease. And so we could just leave whenever we wanted to. So we left at the end of September and moved to Madison and, um, started, a new life here. And even though I had grown up here, um, it was like starting over. I mean, I being an 18 year old in Madison is very different than like a 23, 24 year old. So, um, yeah, so we started here and I was working at Starbucks, was, um, doing the management track thing, had no idea that high point would be a part of my life again, that I would be so involved. I remember, um, when we first attended here, it was just a couple months after we had moved here. And Nick, hearing one of your sermons, it was like, this is so much more candid than anything we've experienced before. It's very real, very gospel-focused, and that's what we knew we wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so um, we didn't check out any other churches. We were like, this is it. We, we live close. We want to be in this community. And so we got plugged in right away. And... Um, yeah, there are a lot of moving pieces that led me to actually um, be a part of staff here, but I had no, I had no way of knowing that that was going to happen. Um, so it's been just very cool to see um, God moving those parts up until now. Yeah, and you were already volunteering on the hospitality teams, mm-hmm. right? Yep. One of the reasons Lisa thought you'd be a really good replacement mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left mm-hmm. here, so um, you want to say a little bit about why. Why you like being the hospitality person mm-hmm. instead of like the children's minister mm-hmm. or the preaching pastor or whatever? Like, why do you feel like the job you're doing is incredibly important and the people who serve with you and those things? What is what is it that really drives you mm-hmm. in relationship to hospitality connection? Yeah, I've seen um, communities work so well together, and I've seen very, like I've said before, br- very broken and very. Um, unhealthy communities. And I, and I see that the core of a, a core element to making a community um, be healthy is, and especially in the church where it's supposed to emulate Christ, that um, 
if there's not hospitality and not caring for those pe- the people around you, if you're only looking out for yourself, if you're just trying to look like you're doing well, but you're not actually doing well or um, hoping, you know, saying, how are you, and repl- responding with, oh, I'm good, thanks, and not going more, deeper than that, um, you lose something so substantial in the relationships of the people um, around you. And that's that's crucial to being able to, to grow with one another, to serve, to make an impact. And so mm-hmm. to be a part of a church where connections coordinator is a job, which just was crazy to me that that was such a high priority for, um, for anybody. Um, to see that, want to be a part of that, I've, I've never felt so in sync with what I'm doing and, and where my heart is for, mm-hmm. um, for hospitality. Yeah, we'll do another podcast sometime on uh, theology and practice of hospitality and, and connection, like what it means to be an includer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that for now, we just need to leave it at how you've grown and changed. And it's, yeah. it's great sometimes people think your testimony is just before Christ, accepted Jesus, since then everything's been great. Mm-hmm. Your story sounds a lot more like, ex- you know, was a little bit child, accepted <laughs> Jesus, and then it's been kind of a weaving road yeah. that I've learned a lot on. I've been a Christian the whole time, but I haven't been the same right. sort of thing the whole time. Right. So I think that's sometimes for people who became Christians fairly young, that's an important realization that just because you became a Christian in a evangelical cliche moment, mm-hmm. it was it was still was perfectly sincere and real. That doesn't take anything away from the nature of your story. Um, if your story is boring, it's not because you didn't sin enough. It's because you may not be doing anything that's meaningful enough. Right. Or you may not be realizing how important the ordinary things in life are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting as I was even writing out this, um, my testimony for today, that I realized that it wasn't until I made that decision in um, in college to go into full-time ministry that is when everything just seemed to start to crumble around me, when I really faced a lot of um, hard times and brokenness and if, with relationships. And so um, I, I look at that and I see that as um, an attack um, that and different attacks in the way that Satan wanted to get at me and what would hurt me the most. Um, and then at the same time, I've seen how those different experiences have definitely prepared me for ministry now. And um, the, the small bits of wisdom that I've been able to attain from that and um, being able to share that with other people has been really cool already. And so um, the sanctification process of that and being redeemed from s- so much sin and brokenness that can still happen even after you're, um, you become a Christian when you're five years old. That's, mm-hmm. um, it's been very cool to see that happening. Great. Well, um, Aaron, I know sometimes it's hard to tell your story, but to, especially to people that you can't see them listening to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thanks for doing this. Yeah. And, um, thank you, um, out there for listening to the engage and equip podcast. I hope it's helped, um, help equip you for your life and engage you with the gospel so that we can all be substantive Christians Um, as who are disciple-making disciples living intentionally with the kingdom of God in mind. We'll see you next time.